0: What's going on, Renaissance family? This is your boy, Jordan. Man, I cannot believe it has been six years. If you're in town, and you're comfortable venturing out, I would love to see some of your faces today at Sugar Hill between four and six to come by and grab a scoop of ice cream on us. Uh, All you have to do is check the details in the email or on our Instagram page to get all of that stuff. So let me pray for us before we get into the message for today. So Heavenly Father, you speak light into darkness you speak life out of nothingness and right now lord i pray for your words to be light to be life to us give us ears to hear what you want to say to us in jesus name we pray amen and amen so a lot of you don't know this about me but i am an honorary jamaican my wife's family is from jamaica and they have adopted me as their own and we get a chance to go to jamaica quite often when there's no pandemic and I'll never forget one of the first times I was there in Jamaica. And my new cousin told me that out of, out of all the places we had to go to before we went to the beach, we had to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken or Toki Fry, as she calls it with her Jamaican accent. Now, I didn't fly four hours in my mind to go to no KFC. I wanted some escovitch fish, some plantain, some jerk something. I didn't want no Kentucky Fried Chicken, but she insisted that we had to go Kentucky Fry. Being the, the people pleaser that I am, I, I went along with it and yo, I'm not sure of what the franchise agreement is between Kentucky Fried Chicken and all of their establishments around the world, but yo, they went completely off of the menu. They weren't using Colonel Sanders' 11 uh, famous herbs and recipes and spices. They used like 28 of their own hand-mixed joints and it was some of the best chicken that I've ever had in my entire life. Now, I'm glad that she persisted because what she was saying at first went against my entire lived experience. My entire life of growing up eating KFC in New York, none of it was something that I would have thought would have been a delicacy, but she was right, even though it went against my my lived experience. Now, in some ways, the scripture that we're gonna get into today will be just as convincing at first as my cousin telling me that out of all the places that we had to go to, it's Kentucky Fried Chicken, because this scripture at first might just go against your entire lived experience. It comes to us from the book of 2nd Corinthians written by a man named Paul. And here's what Paul says uh, to us. He says, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties or calamities for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, what Paul is saying here in the scripture goes against everything in our lived experience. There is nothing about us that naturally likes weakness, that likes hardship or difficulties or insults or persecution in any facet of life. And you would be crazy to invite those things into your life. But I want to break down a little bit what Paul is saying to hopefully give us a a better understanding of what he's saying and why he can say that he rejoiced in these things for the sake of Christ. The first thing that he talks about are are insults. Now, insults are just basically what you're not going to do to me. You're not going to just start talking crazy to me for no reason. That's what you're not going to do. Right. I hate being insulted. I hate when people say rude things uh, about me to me or to someone else. And it hurts. It, It just hurts. And I can't see myself rejoicing for being insulted. The second one are hardships, and this is what we all feel now, loss of jobs, loss of loved ones, uh, all this uncertainty that we're facing. That's probably the biggest hardship for me right now. It's not just that things are difficult, it's just that things are so uncertain. I don't know what tomorrow holds now more than ever, and it feels really hard. Uh, The third one, Paul talks about our persecutions. These are when hardships come your way because of your commitment to Christ and your moral commitments to live as a follower of jesus that things get harder for you not easier as a result of your convictions in life with christ and the last one that paul lists is uh calamities and calamities are something that we're living through right now with this global pandemic close to a million deaths and um it's something that's obviously horrible for all all, the, all those reasons all so many loss of life so many loss of what we know as life is normal, and it's unspeakable, some of the horrors that have happened based on this coronavirus pandemic. But yet, Paul says, even though these things are all miserable objectively, insults, persecution, distress, and calamity, Paul is saying that in the midst of all of this, he's learning to not just accept them, but to embrace them because they are the pathway to true strength. Being empty of yourself and full of Christ and learning in the midst of all of these things, that God's grace really is sufficient. Paul tells us these things, and he uses some amazing imagery as he talks about these difficulties in his life. And he actually refers to them as a thorn. He said these were a thorn inside of him. And I don't know if you've ever been stuck by a thorn before, but uh, years ago uh, when I was a kid growing up, in order to support my sneaker habit, uh, I went with one of my friends and worked with him uh, doing landscaping. He told me that his father would give us $100 for working for the day. And to me, as a 13 or 14-year-old, I thought that that was going to make me rich. So I went uh, to to the job site thinking that I would just be doing some mowing the lawn or whatever. And as soon as I got there, he put me in the rose bed. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. But there was a rose bed that had not been cleared since Millard Fillmore was in the office. It was a complete zoo. It was a complete mess. And every single time I would bend down to cut some of the, um, the thorns off of roses to help clear the beautiful flowers, it felt like I would just get stuck with another thorn. And what was really painful, and I mean super painful, was when a thorn would get stuck inside of you. And whenever it was, my, 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 that was when it, it really hurt. There was like nowhere you could move that it didn't intensify the pain. So when Paul is saying he had a thorn, he's saying a couple of things about the pain in his life. One, he was saying it was unexpected, right? Even though you can see some things in front of you, when thorns come, we never anticipate them well. They are there are unexpected things in our life Two, they are a sharp pain. A thorn is not something that you can just get used to with every movement. It gets worse and worse. And three, uh, he talks about this, uh, them being a thorn in the sense of these sharp pains. Don't just go away with time. Every time you turn or you twist, it just hurts even more. There's nowhere that you can go to escape from the pain of the moment. So Paul is saying that these unexpected, sharp, and unavoidable pains in his life actually led to him hearing these words from Jesus, that God's grace, my grace, is sufficient for you. And Paul learns the source of true strength. He says, for my power, God's power is perfected is made complete in weakness, not in strength. Now, Renaissance, what God offers us today is not an escape from the thorns of life. He offers us power in weakness. What I hope that we take into the next year of the life of our church is true power, true dependence on Christ, that we can look back and say, in this time, we learned that His grace really truly was sufficient. Now, this is not going to happen Automatically, It's not going to just fall in our laps because a lot of us know that hardships, insults, persecutions and difficulties, they don't make everybody better. In fact, as a pastor, some of the most discouraging conversations I've had with people are people who have walked away from Christianity. They walked away from the faith. They walked away from God completely because of the hardships that they faced in their life. And just because you're going through hardship does not mean that you're automatically gonna come out on the other side resilient and saying, I have learned um, that God's power is made perfect in weakness. You're not gonna just come out automatically on the other side um, learning that God's grace is sufficient. There are some things that we do need to know that I wanna highlight from this text that I think will put us in a better place to really help to reframe and better understand this moment that we're in, so that we can thrive and learn about God's sufficient, amazing grace. Our perspective really truly is everything. So the first thing that I I want us to take into this year as a, a renewed commitment is we need to fill our minds with God's word. We need to fill our minds with God's words. Now, perspective truly is everything. And Paul's perspective on the situation really did reframe how he processed the thorns that he was experiencing. Uh, Paul says, you know, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself concerning this. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would not, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Now I know some of y'all are sophisticated and you don't believe in the devil, but scripture says that we have an enemy. We have an adversary. We have someone who opposes us and the way that he gets down is he wants to fill your mind with lies. Jesus, when he talks about the enemy in John eight forty four, he says, there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. When I say that we need to fill our minds with God's word, I say it because we have an active opponent, Satan, who seeks to deceive us and to fill our brains and fill our minds and our hearts with with lies. And here's what Paul is talking about in the scripture. He says, this thorn is a messenger of Satan. That means that when a bad thing happens to us, Satan attaches a message to it. And the problem, here's a peep this y'all, the problem is not the situation The problem is the message behind the situation. So the problem is not the thorn. The real danger is the message behind the thorn. It's almost like an email. You can just add an attachment to it. And this is what Paul is saying the enemy does. He adds an attachment to the message. So Satan attaches a message to the thorn. And that's the thing that really truly discourages us. If you really thought about it, it's not just the thorn. It's the message attached to the thorn that discourages us. It tells us, You're a failure, you're alone. I can't believe you keep on messing up like that. God has to be sick and tired of you. The reason this is happening in your life is because God just doesn't like you. He likes other people, but he doesn't really truly like you. So the problem is not just a thorn, it's the message that the father of lies, Satan, attaches to the thorn. And Paul says what changed the game for him was receiving a different message. Paul says this, that he was praying over and over again for God to remove the thorn from him. But then he heard a different message. This message from Jesus it's, uh, to him and also to us. Jesus says, Paul, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul receiving a different message changed his paradigm, changed his perspective completely. And if you and I are going to thrive and to learn what it means to receive God's power, God's real power, we're gonna have to attach God's message to us, not Satan's message that causes failures and tells us that we are alone. Now, real discouragement doesn't come from the thorns, it comes from the message behind the thorns. So for example, years ago in Detroit, uh, the city had a a program to help kids who were hospitalized stay current with their education. So they would send substitute teachers To the hospital to help tutor kids so that kids who were facing long-term illness or 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 health issues would not return back to school you know really behind in the curriculum and one day this one teacher went to go visit a particular child she took the child's name and room number and uh today she spoke brief that day she spoke briefly with the child's teacher who told them today we're studying nouns and adverbs teacher wrote down the assignment wrote down the child's name and room number and went to the room. When she got there, uh, she realized that the kid was badly burned. And she says, in fact, when she first saw the kid, she was stuttering and stammering uh, because she was actually a little bit horrified of how badly burned the boy was. And not knowing what else to do, she decided to just teach the lesson. That day, they went through nouns and adverbs. The next day, the teacher got a call from the hospital and they said, well, what did you do to this kid? She said, "I'm sorry. I, what what happened?" They said, "After you left, his con- his condition immediately just turned around. He started responding to the medicines. His mood changed. His whole outlook has changed completely." What did you say to him? She says, "Well, all I did was teach him nouns and adverbs." Later, they talked to the student, and for him, that day was a turning point. A few weeks later, the boy explained why everything changed um, in his life. And it came with one simple realization. He expressed it this way. He said, they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? In his mind, he had a brand new message that he was gonna live. And he believed that he was gonna live because they wouldn't send a teacher to teach dying, a dying boy nouns and adverbs. They'd give him a make a wish campaign or something else, but not, uh, not that lesson that day. Now that day, his entire life changed, not because of his predicament. His burns were still just as bad. His situation was the same, but he received a different message that he was gonna make it. Our goal, our challenge, our struggle is to make sure that we are receiving God's message to us and for us and not the lies of the enemy. And our situation right now, our satisfaction and our endurance will depend on the message that we have attached to it. So we need to fill our minds with God's word and make sure that we are making every single effort to do that. Now, last week we announced how we're gonna do this this fall at Renaissance with our DNA groups. Now this fall, we're, we're taking a pause from the way we've previously done things with community groups, and we are doing DNA groups, which will be four to six men or four to six women in community together, uh, hearing some teaching online, uh, coming together online rather for this group to build deep relationships and also deeply and meaningfully interact with scripture. We're going to be going through the book of Exodus. A lot of you have signed up for this already. It's going to be really amazing. And if you want to regularly expose yourself to God's word, head over to the website, uh, www.RenaissanceNYC.com backslash DNA and make sure that you are filling your mind with God's word. Now, the second thing that we need to do in order to truly make sure that in all the things that are going on in our life, Uh, we can say that God's grace is sufficient, is we need to make ourselves available to accept support from God's people. Sometimes God's grace comes to us supernatural ways. Other times it comes to us in simple, ordinary ways through ordinary people. One of the best stories that I've heard since this pandemic has started uh, uh, has been about a woman in our community who was scheduled to deliver her baby uh at the height of the pandemic when things were really really scary in new york and i called her and her husband and we spoke and i asked her did she need anything And she said no my my community group has really held me down they've been going out risking their life and their safety um to go get formula and baby supplies so that she and her husband could truly lay up and, and and protect this newborn baby and this was when coronavirus was so bad in the city that you had to like stop drop and roll every time you left your apartment just not to get uh, infected. And they did this, and she was able to receive God's grace through community. Now, I know we're, we're socially distant and we're isolating ourselves, but we need to make sure that we are investing ourselves meaningfully and intentionally into uh, this community so that we can receive God's grace for us. Sometimes it will be an act of service. Sometimes it will be through encouragement. Sometimes it will be through... Uh, being challenged, but we need to accept God's grace through other people. Yet another reason to make sure that you are in a DNA group this year. And the last thing we're going to have to do in order to truly be able to come out on the other side and say that God's power was made perfect in us through our weakness is we have to hold on to God's promises. Now, all throughout the Bible, God makes promises, and better than Him being a promise maker, He is a a promise keeper. And one promise that God gives us is that no situation is beyond his ability to redeem it. There's a story in Ezekiel 37, that's one of the most powerful stories in all of scripture. And it's reminded to us that nothing is ever beyond God's redemption. And that's a promise that I want us to hold on to. Ezekiel 37 says it like this, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them, There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley and they were very dry. So essentially Ezekiel is in a graveyard that God is walking him backward and forward in this graveyard um, to show him all of this. And he says, then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Are they beyond redemption? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to, uh, to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now, this text comes after about 150 years of calamity for the children of Israel. And if you think seven months of the coronavirus pandemic is bad, try 150 years. And God comes to Ezekiel to remind him that no situation is beyond his redemption. Nothing is too dead for God to resurrect. There's nothing too bad for God to redeem. And this is not so you would ignore the harshness of our life, but that you would hold on to God's promises that God is a God of redeeming. See, Christianity is inherently a resurrection religion. And all of us want resurrection without crucifixion, but it doesn't work that way when the disciples saw Jesus thousands of years ago, hanging up on the cross, they did not believe for one second that God was up to something, that God was doing something, that God was accomplishing the salvation of the world through the most horrific of circumstances, but God was doing just that. And when Jesus raised three days later, they were able to see that nothing is too dead for God to resurrect. So I want you filling your mind with God's word. I want you availing yourself to God's people, and I want you holding on to God's promises. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, all of the hardships, insults, persecutions, and difficulties that we're facing, Lord, I pray that we would hold on to you. We would receive your message that your grace is sufficient. It's sufficient for our mistakes. It's sufficient for our shortcomings. It's sufficient for our lack of knowledge of what's to come. And Lord, may we say at the end of all of this that your power was made perfect through renaissance in our weakness. May that be our story. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.